Kia welcome to Circuit Cast, moving image and art from Aotearoa and beyond. This week's subject is a first for the podcast. It's an exhibition principally located on the World Wide Web, The Drowned World, or the-drowned-world.com, curated by Daniel Michael Satelli, features work by seven New Zealand-based Pacific artists, exploring the intimate connection between human life and water. Well, with me to discuss The Drowned World is a voice familiar to listeners here on the pod, writer Thomason Slay. Welcome back, Thomson. Kia ora. Uh, and also new to the pod, a curator, former director of Enjoy Gallery, amongst other posts, um, Claudia Alathqueta. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, thanks for coming on. And now, congratulations on the establishment of your own um, art and social project space, a remote one as well, called Mode Lab. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about what Mode Lab is about? Well, Mode Lab is a curatorial laboratory. I initiated this project with uh, my partner, Rodrigo. And most likely, we call it like an interdisciplinary agora for artistic and social experimentation and research. So we're doing projects in the public space. It's something that I haven't done much because I was more doing works in in the white cube or in the galleries or in galleries. And I was really interested in, in going outside and pushing the boundaries of my practice. And um, and we've been working, it's in this interdisciplinary because we are starting to work with uh, other artists, but also with uh, scholars and some scientists. Cool. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, enough of the self-promotion. The Drowned World or the-drowned-world.com. This is a show of young artists, students, hand-picked tertiary students from around um, the country. The the curator, Daniel Satelli, he's a, a strong young writer. And for me, he writes a really great text, which goes with this exhibition, uh, which is really much about a lack of awareness or, or questioning the awareness of the preciousness of water and around the issue of climate change. I wondered how, the, how you felt the exhibition stacked up. I was really impressed with um, Daniel's kind of ambition and the ambition of the artists who were involved in the project. Firstly, even just to decide to have it online as a space, which I think is not that common in New Zealand, even though, um, as we were discussing, there have been exhibitions which have had been kind of augmented by works online. But Uh, not as an actual exhibition experience. Sure, Yeah. yeah, which is the distinction, I guess, that this exhibition sets itself up specifically for that purpose. And what's really great, actually, about talking about it on the pod, I was thinking on the way here, is that we can say, to our listeners, just go and look online and you can see exactly what we saw. When I was looking at it, I couldn't really separate out this this sort of content and context because we were thinking about the web platform specifically as well. And so one of the works I really enjoyed was one by Sarah Riordan called The Life and Death of Aquaman. (laughs) <laughs> and this is the work where she has Aquaman kind of stabbed by arrows and sort of superimposed in buildings around Wellington, this massive image of him. And I think it sort of played with a slightly unstable, maybe a bit more crispy-edged nature of the internet as a place where things can move and it's not quite as static potentially as an object. And another quick one that I really enjoyed was by Jasmine Tahira um, called Lost Content. She's holding out her arm and this this ice bracelet is melting on it and it's imbued with pearls and hair and some other pieces of body and adornment. And I was sort of fascinated particularly by the editing of this work. There's four screens. It's quite glitchy. So she sort of seemed to be playing with the temporal nature of video in this interesting way. It was interesting looking at some of the background information. You immediately think of climate change, but she was talking about Victorian mourning, jewellery, and Māori concepts of the tapu nature of death as well. Some of that didn't quite translate for me, but it was very elegant work. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought the same. I, I, I read the description and it didn't translate so much those ideas for me. But when I saw it without seeing the description, I really liked that part of the platform that you just click for seeing the description. I like that it's hidden and you don't see it immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have the option of thinking and then reading. <laughs> Not something you have an yeah. option of in the gallery. Yeah. So what I thought about the work is that it was a work about time and the impermanence of things. But I never thought... It didn't match with the description what I was thinking. Mm. And there were two other works that I really enjoy. One was from Iliana Roach, The City That Waits. When I was seeing this, watching the exhibition, I was thinking about two different aspects. One is how it's working in an online exhibition, because it's different how you perceive the work in a gallery space or in your screen, in, in an mm. online exhibition. I think that this work works really well in, in an online exhibition, is I think it's the more successful in that sense because uh, there's an interaction. What I look in an online exhibition are usually two things. I have like an interaction with a platform and the other one is that it's in a way playful and I think these two things are really covered by this work. Maybe I could explain a little bit of the context here. It's a very large-scale, super detailed drawing, which when you're in the online environment, you can actually... Well, in fact, you can go to it, yeah. <laughs> listeners. Uh, you can zoom in on different parts of it, almost like a little microscope into different aspects. What I thought was interesting about that, Claudia, is, of course, that if it was a large-scale drawing in a gallery, you would do that anyway, physically. You, yeah. you, go, you go in and out of work. You have this physical relationship with work always in a gallery space. And, in fact, that work actually enforced that experience on an online environment environment, which was very interesting. Yeah. I really like that it pushed you to the sense of discovery. Mm. I couldn't help thinking also with that work, um, there's this great quote that's often repeated, Colin McCann often talked about, he sort of had this realisation of wanting, having paintings to walk by, and when I was looking at that work I couldn't help thinking of a slight inversion of that, like paintings to click through might be the new way of engaging. What was the other work you were going to mention? Sarah Riordan, Death of Aquaman, I like it because I found it like really humorous idea as well of finding colossal drawings of a martyr Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> and the other that I found interesting is this video of Nina Oberg, Humphreys, Still Away. And I really like her intention of capturing in a single piece this ambivalent nature of water. I thought that maybe the production could be better, but the idea is really, really interesting. I think we have to remember that these are student works. So that was actually one of my favourite works. It was a work which had the sense of a young person who's singing, the sense of being submerged but also emerging and being in a situation of baptism, of cleansing, but also this kind of darkness of being forced under the water and in a sense of trying to keep the sense of self. It was this beautiful uh, internal music to yeah. it. I like that it's a little bit confusing at the beginning because she looks really peacefully I mean, in the water in, of the swimming pool and then it changes everything when you see her, like someone is throwing her in the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a nice video. I think that it captures the ambivalent nature of water very well. Back to my original point, you've got this quite bold piece of writing which sets up the big big themes and then you've got this quite diverse group of work by a whole of student artists. Is there any sense that the, the exhibition sets up more than it delivers? to the ballad reference and all of this? It's a really good question. I, I did feel a little bit like the exhibition was quite conventional and maybe didn't kind of experiment as much as naming your exhibition the same as this ballad novel might suggest, perhaps.
Let's talk about the actual exhibition vehicle itself, the internet. You were saying it's quite rare here to see this as an exhibition format. When I say an exhibition format, when you go to a gallery and you go to a group show, works are kind of grouped together. There's a spatial encounter. There's a kind of a logic. You're also familiar with walking left here, right here, finding an entrance. There's a physical engagement there. How was your experience online of the exhibition? Every time I see an online exhibition, I think two things. What is the difference between documentation and an online exhibition? And as I said before, I think that the difference for me is to have like an interactive engagement with the work. And it's difficult because we now live in a culture where everything is clicking and scrolling down <laughs> screens. But uh, I think that in what I thought it was, is this an online exhibition? If it works per se as an online exhibition... Or is this documentation? And I'm more driven to think that it's a documentation of an exhibition than an exhibition person. Ah. And I did think some of the works didn't recognise or push the context as much as they could have, like you're suggesting, with clicking through The City That Waits. It's really pushing the medium and, and playing with it um, a lot. But then I also didn't realise when I first went to look at it that, in actual fact, the exhibition had been presented in a physical space as well, because I sort of try not to read too much about it and just encounter it without any context at first. And I sort of thought, actually, that puts a lot of pressure on the artists and the work in a way that they need to create work that can be represented in these different spaces. And I felt like maybe, you know, saying, oh, it didn't sort of respond to the online platform in the way that it could. Well, maybe they, you know, they had to do Well, I, I, I saw the exhibition presentation in Auckland. And in fact, there were also some discussions, which I thought was a lovely thing to do in the physics room and in Joy in Christchurch and Wellington. But in Auckland, in the silos in Silo Park and the Auckland waterfront, these big concrete silos that get used for some exhibitions the work was presented, but actually it was presented as projections off the computer, so there were laptops and you interacted oh, with the work in that way. So in a sense, okay. it was still an online platform, but put into that. Yeah, that was its yeah. delivery mechanism. Yeah, but at yeah, the same right. time, you were often just looking at projections. There was a kind of sense that you did see it in a kind of different context, but those silos are a dreadful place to look at art. The, the sound quality is awful. The way you look at the work is dreadful, and I was reminded just how badly video work particularly is served sometimes in a gallery environment. Yeah, but a lot of galleries have been getting it right as well, like the Moving on Asia exhibition at yes. the gallery a couple of years ago. That was a great Felt example. Like, kind of like a groundbreaking exhibition in terms of really thinking through what it means to watch longer video works in the gallery space and provide a amenable context for that. Be truthful now, did you watch all of the video works in this show, The Drowned World, through from beginning to end? Yeah, yeah you I did? did. Would yeah. you have done that, do you think, if you weren't reviewing it for the podcast? Maybe. <laughs> I, I usually try to see the videos from the beginning till the end, when it's possible, when it's not like two or three hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about if they were in an exhibition environment? Do you think you're more likely to watch them, I guess, online from beginning to end or when you're sitting on the computer? Yeah. Or, or are we getting better at having more patience when we're online? Or do we whiz through and go back to Facebook or whatever? Yeah, I have to admit I have that very fleeting attention span of multi-tab activities um, yeah. o- online. What about for you, Claudia, in terms of that actual navigation of the exhibition on the website? Did it work for you? Was it easy to follow? I liked how it was designed, the website. I think I like the thing that I mentioned, that you see the work and then you click to know the information about it, that they yeah. separate. And, uh, well, and of course... The problem with online exhibitions is what I find problematic is this thing that Thomasin mentioned about the idea of focusing because you are in your computer and you're receiving an email and then you have to call or I found that I saw all the videos but maybe there were interruptions 
at some moment. I think that the what is the most important thing for me for these kind of online exhibitions is that they are easy to spread, you know. There's more people that can access them. As a curator, I usually Google when I'm researching a project, like, I don't know, I Google yes. names or I Google things online. And this platform is a good example of, of how you can get to these works if you Google water, Pacific art. So you get engaged with different works that you will not have seen if mm -hmm. they were not online. I remember theatre reviewers used to say that they would never go to a student show, that they sort of thought it was unfair to put a student's work and criticise it in public. Here we have, you know, when you Google these artists, their student work is coming up. You know, it's, it's quite a thing to thrust people into that public and digital environment. Yeah, it's sort of that right-to-be-forgotten thing, almost. Um, yeah. I was also fascinated in the Radio New Zealand interview. The curator said that they one of the reasons, obviously, was this kind of this great promise of the internet, the democratisation of the content. It's accessible to lots of people. But also he said that curating an online exhibition was a way of giving permanence to the work, which is fascinating to me, working as I do with digital cultural heritage collections and online collections, because I I think the average lifespan of a website is mooted as about, you know, like 150 days or something like that. So the internet is not traditionally thought of as a very kind of permanent space. Previous Totai exhibitions, because they have done these exhibitions of students uh, going back numbers of years, and I've seen a number of them that's been some really great works, like, you know, well-known artists like Luke Willis-Thompson and stuff came through these exhibitions. And they've been at St Paul Street Gallery, I think maybe one was at Art Space as well. I mean, does this web platform widen the audience, or does it, in a sense, also kind of get in the way that it's not being presented to that kind of art literate audience? I have to admit, I'm slightly sceptical about it. I think this great promise of the internet, this democratisation so that anybody can access it and it's searchable and accessible and has this really broad reach. But yeah, I don't know. Is it is it true or is it just talking to the same specific group of people who already know that exists, who are connected with the artists? Does it allow for any kind of, for people happening on it just by happenstance and an internet search? Um, Claudia sort of mentions the thing, was the I, social I will, media I thing. I will disagree because uh, I have found artists and I have worked with them thanks to their website sure, and yeah. I didn't know about their work and about the ephemerality well of course websites every digital artist working with net art, with new media will tell you that their works are ephemeral yeah of course just think about Nam Jun Pike works that were like really innovative on those times and now the screens are like <laughs> in, in, in dumb shops you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. so of course digital art has, it, has ephemerality and websites are ephemeral of course because if you don't pay the fee it will be cancelled or it will not be anymore on the web but I think that in terms of its function and the span of life that has a website let's say that this website is going to be five, six years, it will work because these artists in five years they will be making something completely different. But in that sense, I think that it works. I, I, I really believe that the, that website culture gives a democratization in terms of, 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 of accessibility. Just to put you an example, I included a work of a New Zealand artist in a show that I curated because I found it on circuit. Right. If it was not there, I would not knew about this work. So it works. I think it helps that it's online. And that concludes CircuitCast for another week. The Drowned World can be found at the-drowned-world.com. CircuitCast is brought to you by circuit.org.nz with the assistance of Creative New Zealand. Hare ra.